How we doing? Everybody doing good? Very good. Good, good, good. Good to see you today. God bless you, uh, every single one. Happy to be here with you. Uh, what a great day. We had uh, a whole bunch of baptisms in first service and then more in the second service. And I, I want to tell I want to encourage you, um, if you've never been baptized, I want to encourage you to sign up for the next one and be a part of it. It's a powerful, powerful thing. Some of you may remember just a couple of months ago, we had baptisms and there was a gentleman in the second service, I believe, a tall, long haired gentleman came down. He was wearing all white. You remember that? That's right. That's right. And he came down to be baptized uh, right in the middle, so he wasn't on the list, anything like that. Uh, but he came down. He still had his phone. He was trying to climb in, had his phone on him, had his keys as well. We're like, come on, take the stuff off. We'll baptize you, man. Just take the stuff off. And, and uh, it took his shoes off, and he just jumped in, man. Had a beautiful moment, beautiful moment. And um, his wife is here today. He passed a couple of weeks ago, and I got to be a part of the series. And so you're a part of our family, and we love you. We're glad that you're here. We're glad that you're with us. And we're so grateful that we had the opportunity to be a part of his worship. And we know where he is. We know where he is. He's in heaven. He's in heaven. And we celebrate his life. We celebrate his life. Amen. 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 Yeah, God is doing miracles. Amen. 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 I love it. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. God is doing great things. Amen. So, if, and listen, that's just such a wonderful thing to be able to be a part of someone having no idea what was going on, but God was able to do a radical work inside of this amazing uh, man's life. And he was a wild man to hear the stories at his, at his uh, memorial service. He had some wild stories, but God radically transformed and saved him and brought him into the kingdom. And, and it's just a beautiful thing. So thank you for celebrating and being a part uh, uh, with us. I'm excited to jump into this uh, finale of Holy Habits today. This has been a series that's really impacted my life, and I've got a story I feel like will, will really impact you today because it has impacted to me uh, as well. And next week, we're starting our brand new series called Relationship Rescue. We sent out uh, mailers to 50,000 homes. Maybe some of you got uh, the mailer that we sent out. I don't know. But invite people. This is a series. Relationship series are things that can really help. Very practical. We're going to walk through biblical positions on so many different important things that have to do with having great marriages, great friendships, great relationships with work and all that kind of stuff. And so make sure that you're inviting and bringing. This is a chance for people to have an incredible encounter. Come on. Guys, Easter is coming. We're just a couple, can you believe we're just a couple months away from Easter? So, and this is one of the greatest seasons of life or of the year for people to get saved. It's a, it's, it's a transformation season. It's a healing and a restoration and a salvation season. And I just want to encourage you as the people of God to be on the lookout, asking the Holy Spirit to show you who to connect with, who to, who to reach out to, who to invite, who to bring. I want to see hundreds of people saved at Oaks Church between now and Easter. How about that? Would that be amazing? That would be amazing. Let's do that, but we got to do it together by inviting and bringing and doing the best we can do to expose and to uh, help people encounter the God that's changed our lives forever. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your incredible, incredible Holy Spirit. God, release your spirit to us today. Speak to us today. Teach us in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
Amen. Well, as we wrap up this series called Holy Habits, uh, we've talked about a number of different things. We talked about the habit of faith, which we build our faith by hearing the Word of God, being in the Word of God. How many of you have been reading the Bible? You're on this Bible reading plan with us. Anybody reading that Bible with us? That's awesome. How many of you guys have been fasting? Anybody fasting? Come on, fast a little bit, just cutting something out. Man, I've been in the gym. I've been fasting. I'm feeling good. I know today is technically the last day of our fast, and some of you are already like excited about that. I'm feeling, I've got so much momentum right now. I'm going to keep it up. I might even dial it in a little bit because I'm loving what God's doing in my own personal life, my spiritual life. And so just follow the Holy Spirit and obey him. I think one of the most important things we can do is learn how to live what's called a fasted lifestyle. One of my mentors, Gordon Banks, uh, he had a deal that he made with God that he wouldn't eat until he had prayed for at least one hour a day. That was, that was next level, man. And if he went all the way through the day and he didn't have time to pray, he'd start over the next day. And if it was three, if it took him three days to find an hour to spend with God, because that's how busy life was, he wouldn't eat for three days. That is next level dedication. Can I tell you that that guy walked in incredible, miraculous healing and prophetic power with his relationship with God because he had extreme dedication and discipline in his life. So today, as we begin to walk through some more steps, we're going to talk about the habit of prayer. Last week, we talked for two weeks on the habit of worship. We talked about how it means to bow, how, how it means to position yourself in humble submission how it means to celebrate, to adore, uh, to, to, uh, to, to give, to be all about God. He, he is our life. Our life is supposed to be a living sacrifice. We give him worship by how we live our life, how we love people around us. It's so important to realize that our job in life, and, and have you ever met someone you just didn't like? You ever met someone that really irritated you? I, I had so much. Somebody said so much. I can testify on that one. I, I had someone that, that irritated me, and every time I thought about that person, I would call them a name in my head. That was a kindergarten, G-rated. It had five letters, not four. Uh, but I would call them a name in my head, and, and one day the Lord's like, hey, that's, that's your kid. That's my kid. He said, that's my kid. You're calling that name. And, and, and I stopped for a second, and I thought, and I said, well, God, your kid is a bonehead. And, and he's like, yeah, but he's my kid right? I mean, you can talk about your kid, but no one else can talk about your kid. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I can say something about my wife, but you better not because I'll bust you in the mouth. But it's, you know, I mean, it's just one of those things where, where, where God's like, that's my kid. And I'm like, well, sometimes your kid stinks, uh, but I'll pray for him that he stinks less. I'm a work in progress, right? I'm, a, I'm, not, I'm not all the way there yet. I'm working on it. But people can bother us, but we have to remember, listen, we stink too. We stink too, and we need grace, and we need mercy, and we need Jesus in our lives. Amen? Amen. Well, we're talking about the habit of prayer, but I want to talk to you specifically about the habit of hearing God. The habit of hearing God. Every single one of us have relationships. You might be married. You might be dating. You might have a deep friend, friendships. You might have a great relationship with a boss or, or employees or, or whatever. Um, but there's no such thing as a great relationship that doesn't have communication. And it has to be two-way communication. 
I, I remember Jennifer and I, when we first uh, became friends, we didn't date for six months, but we were very attracted to each other. Uh, but, but I was in a season where I wasn't dating. And, and so we were in that season and, and it was six months where we were just friends, but we talked every single day. We, it was obvious that we were, that we were into each other, but we just weren't dating yet until her ex-boyfriend came in town, made me jealous. And then I had to go over and smooch her and that settled everything. All right. But we're moving on, moving on from there. All right. But literally I remember times in our relationship where we're on the phone and it's that young, you know, that, that early twenties, that young puppy love going on. And it's like, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. Right. We've been on the phone for hours. And then did you fall asleep? No, I didn't fall asleep. Yes, you did fall asleep. Okay. We're going to hang up. Ready? One, two, three, hang up. You didn't hang up. You remember that time? You remember just, you're just crazy in love and, and you know, all that. And you just want to talk all the time. And then you get like eight years into marriage. You're like, uh, right. I'm just joking. It's not supposed to be that way. And it doesn't have to be that way. But, in, but communication is important. In fact, next week, we're going to talk about the communication code or breaking the communication code. And it's going to help somebody learn how to talk to their spouse or their boss or their friends the right way. If you can learn how to say things the right way, you can get a completely different response. If you don't like the response you're getting, you might want to check your tone, right? We're going to get with that in just a second. We'll talk about that next week. But today, I just want to talk about the importance of communication and specifically two-way communication. When we pray, many times we feel like we're the only ones talking. Can you relate to that? Sometimes it feels like we're talking and we hear crickets. We're praying and it just bounces off the ceiling. I have had times in my life where it was frustrating because I felt like my prayers weren't getting through to God. Now, what's interesting is there are places in the Bible that give reasons why your prayers won't be heard by God. And the number one reason is unforgiveness in your own heart. If you think about someone like I thought about someone, and every time I thought about them, I called them a name in my head, I have an issue with unforgiveness. And the Bible says it hinders my prayers. So God wanting me to stop calling his kid a bonehead wasn't necessarily for that kid. It's for me. Because God wants to answer my prayers, but my, my own attitude is affecting my prayer life. Right? Because we have to go boldly to the throne. And if you've got ought, the Bible says in the King James Version, in your own heart, and you're bringing your worship, you're bringing your sacrifice. It says if you have ought or an offense between you and a brother, leave your worship at the altar, go get right with your brother, and then come back and bring your worship. And many of us live our lives with ought in our heart between someone, and we think that somehow by holding that grudge and being angry at that person, somehow it gives us power over that person, but the reality is the opposite. It actually steals your power, it steals your innocent childlike faith, and it keeps your prayers from being effective because you have an issue in your own heart. You're poisoning yourself. It's toxic. It's toxic. Oftentimes, listen, some of the biggest offenses we hold are offenses on behalf of someone else. We have a friend that was done wrong, so we're mad at someone who did them wrong. The person didn't even do anything to us, but we're mad. Our friend's already gotten over it. 
but we're still mad about it. It didn't even happen to us. Can I tell you how many times that happens in the church? Somebody is offended at the church, offended at the pastor because someone they know was mistreated by someone, this and that and the other, and they're offended on behalf of someone that, that they know that nothing even happened to them, but years go by and they can't come into church with an innocent heart because of an offense that they're holding on to that doesn't even happen to them. I see it all the time. And they lock themselves in a prison thinking they're in control, but they actually lock themselves in, and the only thing they have control of is how long they stay in that prison. God wants to have relationship with you. He wants to have communication with you. He wants to have conversations with you. I want to show you something in Scripture. This is Exodus chapter 33, 11. It says that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. God would speak to Moses face to face. Does God speak to you face to face? Oh, well, Joel, that was Moses. I mean, Moses was a prophet. Okay. John the Baptist was a prophet. And Jesus gave John the biggest compliment you can give anyone. Jesus said, John the Baptist is the greatest man ever born of a woman. That is a massive compliment. That would be like saying, Jay, Jesus says you are the greatest man that's ever born of a woman. And April says, amen, hallelujah. That's my man, right? That's what God said. That's what Jesus said about John the Baptist. But he didn't stop there. He said, and you, whoever is the least in the kingdom, is greater than he. What does that mean? That means in the New Testament opportunity, you have a greater opportunity for power and influence and access to God than the greatest prophets of the Old Testament because you have the opportunity that didn't exist in the Old Testament for the Holy Spirit to actually come and live inside you permanently. You can have 24-7 access to the presence of the living God. The Old Testament prophets didn't have that. The Holy Spirit, when you read the Old Testament, would come upon people temporarily and would lift. You have the Holy Spirit living. If you've asked for the Holy Spirit, you believed in Jesus Christ, you've asked for Jesus to save you. If you've asked for the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of you, he has come and live inside of you. And the problem is some of us don't realize it and we live our lives as if he doesn't. We live our lives as if we don't have access that's greater than Moses, greater than Abraham, greater than Elijah. We have an access that's 24-7 to the throne room of heaven. God doesn't live in a building anymore. He doesn't live in a tent anymore. He comes and he inhabits the praises of his people. We have a magnified experience of God's presence here in this building. Why? Because each and every one of you are carrying a portion of his Holy Spirit. And when we come together, we synergize and we're stronger and we're more powerful. And there's a greater multiplication of the intensity of his presence. But you can have experiences with him at home. In your car. My goodness, the, one of the greatest habits I ever had was turning my Honda into a sanctuary. That little red Honda Civic, man, my stereo broke and I just decided to make it worship. 
I'm just going to worship. I'm just going to sing. And I'm singing. I'm driving that dumb little Honda down the road. And I'm crying and I'm swerving. I'm having encounters with God. The first times that I heard God prophesy, the first times that I had, like I, I had a, 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 in my prayer language, something different and distinct. And then God gave me an interpretation and prophesied to me in my own car. The same, that kind of encounter with God happened in an automobile, not in a church, because I created a, a, a habitation for his presence. A habit can create a habitation for his presence. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends for a friend does not, a servant does not know his master's business, but I'm telling you my business. And then he said, this is how you know if you're my friend or not. If you obey my commandments, see, see many of us, I don't, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, listen, I'm going to be me and me is I'm an ex-professional martial artist and an ex-professional coach in the martial arts, and I make champions. That's what I do. I make butt-kicking ninja champions. That's what I did my whole life, and God picked me to come into the church and make butt-kicking ninjas in the church for him. Is that okay? Okay? God wants you to kick some devil butt. I'm going to say that in Jesus' name. Over and over. He doesn't want you to be a sissy little pansy that does nothing great for him with your life on earth. He wants you to go out there, kick tail, take names, and do great things for him. The Bible says we're supposed to occupy until he comes. We're supposed to take dominion until he comes. We're supposed to expand his territory until he comes. We're not sitting around, hiding out somewhere. We're supposed to be large and in charge until he comes. Amen? For his name, for his glory. So I'm going to challenge you. That's my job. Coach Joel, going to challenge you. All right, I'm not going to be. I'm, I'm not. I'm not here to make you feel warm and fuzzy. I'm here to help you be forged into a weapon for Jesus. Amen. That okay? Okay. I got some other church recommendations if you want warm and fuzzy. Great pastors all around. In Psalms, verse forty-six, verse ten, chapter forty-six, verse ten. God says, "Be still, and know that I am God." Be still and know that I am God. One of the greatest habits that you can have in your life is finding time to shut everything down, shut everything out, turn everything off, and just be still with him. Be still before him and, and be in that place of expectancy, that you expectation, that you want him to just, to just reveal yourself. You want to know that he is God. That word know in Hebrew is the word yada. It's the word when you hear someone speaking Yiddish and they say, yada, yada, yada. That's the word. Yada, yada, yada. It means, you know, you know, you know. But the word actually has a very different and distinct connotation. This word, yada, is the same word that is used to describe the intimacy of a husband and wife in their bedroom. When a man knows his wife, yada, it's the same word that's here the intimacy that God wants to have with you, not in some weird, gross way, in an intimate, conversational, face-to-face, one-on-one, just you and him, no secrets, anything goes. God wants to have yada with you. He wants you to know him. He wants to know you. He wants you to be real friends. And the reality is just because you believe in him doesn't mean you moved into the maturity of being his friend yet. I'm saying that with a smile on my face. Notice the smile. We sang, I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. 
right? Israel wrote a great song. But some of us sing the song and God's like, we are? I mean, I'm a friend to you. But you haven't been a friend to me yet. Not since 1993. Been waiting for you to be my friend. You haven't obeyed me yet, right? I, it, our obedience... See, there's something about, about the difference in maturity level of my children. I've got a 14-year-old young lady. I've got a 19-year-old young lady. People told me about what it would be like when they would go off to college and come back for the first time, and, and now they come back as a, as a different person. As a, and I, I couldn't really wrap my brain around it. But you know, when sometimes when teenagers, they go through that stage where they don't want to talk at all. And, and you're like just pulling teeth, anything, please give me a grunt, right? Give me something. I, I mean, it, they go into this cave mode where they come home from school and how was your day? Uh, they go upstairs, they're doing homework, uh, and they come down for dinner uh, and they go back up. Uh, it's just, that's all you get is a grunt. They're sweet, wonderful people, but, but we're not there yet. And it's just, it's a phase. And all of a sudden my, my 19, oh, she's 20 now. Holy cow. She's 20 now. She's a real adult and everything for crying out loud but but all of a sudden she wants to talk and she's calling and she's talking about relationships she's talking about life and ministry and this is what God showed me and I'm sitting there on the phone for an hour having conversations with my daughter I'm like I'm late to work I don't care I I want to go to bed I don't I just want to have that I would I'm not hanging up the phone I want every bit of it I want every moment I can have how much more does your heavenly father long to have intimate relationship and conversations with you. He's a way better father than any of us. He's a way better parent than any of us. He wants it more than you want it. But people often feel like, well, God just doesn't talk to me like that. That's just not my experience. It can be. God made prayer to be an intimate conversation. It's supposed to be two-way. It's supposed to be back and forth all through scripture from Abraham to Moses to Elijah to Jeremiah. Every single one of them, they went back and forth with God. They had conversations with God. They wrote down their conversations and now you read their conversations in the Bible and it's their journal that turned into our Bible. A human being that had less access to God than you, had encounters with God, had conversations with God, and wrote it down, and now it's called the book of Ezekiel. And he didn't even have the Holy Spirit living inside of him on a permanent basis, but he's got a book in the Bible. How much more does God want to engage and interact with you living inside of you 24 hours a day, and we go through our lives busy, 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 and he's just sitting there waiting, wishing, hoping, please talk to me. He's patient. Oh, he's so patient. Nothing I say to you is to bring condemnation. Everything I say to you is to bring the conviction of the Holy Spirit, to, to, to provoke something in you to want more, more, more. I'm not satisfied, guys. I've been at this thing. I, I've, been, I've been actively seeking the Lord for four decades plus. I am, I, I'm, I'm in love with Jesus, but I want more. I want more. Ever since the Garden of Eden, if you ever want to know what God's original design was, you look at how he designed it originally. And every single day in the Garden of Eden, he would come and walk with Adam and talk with Adam and have conversations and share mysteries. Every single one. 
Every single day, every animal, this is what we're gonna, this is what this is, and this is what that is, and here's this, and here's this berry, and here's this fruit, and here's how this works, and here's how to make a fire, and here's that. It was, it was literally, it was father and son every single day having real relationship, real conversation, and then sin entered and drove a wedge between God and man. And oftentimes, we want to connect with God, but we feel a separation and we feel some distance. And I promise you, it's never on his end. It's never on his end. It's often on our end that there's something that we need to get right. There's something we need to obey. There's something we need to forgive that will pull that wedge out and bring you back in. The word repent, repent, it means go back to the top. Oftentimes we get stuck and we have this perspective and we feel like God is so far away and we're looking down at all this mess and all we have to do is repent and we're right back and he's been there the whole time. He never leaves us or forsakes us. He's always right there, but we're so focused on this junk down here that we forget that we have access to all of this up here. Healthy relationships require conversation. You can't have a great marriage without great communication. You can't have a great friendship without great communication. You can't have a great co-working or boss or employee relationship without great communication. You can't do anything. Well, listen, listen, this is how crazy this is. Some of y'all talk to your pets. And you are convinced they know what you're saying. And you're convinced that they can communicate back to you. Oh, I know who you are. Reminds me of the movie Anchorman. Baxter, you know I don't speak Spanish. You know, I just talk into his animal. Really? You ate the whole wheel of cheese? Wow. Not even mad. I'm actually impressed. I mean, we have, we, we talk, we'll talk to our animals. And our animals, we feel like can communicate. What's that, Lassie? Uh-huh. Timmy's in the creek. Oh, no. Let's go get him, right? We think that our But we can't believe that God can talk to us. I want to take you to a story in the Bible that is just a beautiful story of two very different people from very different backgrounds that had incredible similarities. This is the story in Acts chapter 10 of a man named Cornelius and another man who we know very well named the apostle Peter. Acts chapter 10 verse 1 starts like this, at Caesarea, which is a beautiful place, uh, uh, just north of Tel Aviv, on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, Herod built a palace up there, and it was, I mean, it's just absolutely incredible, right on the ocean, beautiful, beautiful place. There was a man that lived there, his name was Cornelius, and he was a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. So this is not a Jew, he's a Roman military uh, uh, officer. He's a centurion. The Italian regiment was a special forces group that was a part of the Roman uh, military, part of a legion. These were high-level, tough, murderous suckers that were in this Italian regiment. And Cornelius was the tough sucker that was over those guys. This is a, this is a bad dude. This is a warrior. But this warrior had a soft spot. It says he and all of his family were devout and God-fearing. They weren't Jewish. They had, they had no covenant with God. They had no understanding of God's laws. 
but they were devout and they believed and they were fearing of God and he had holy habits in his life that he had created even though he didn't fully know this God yet. He gave, watch these habits, he gave generously to those in need and he prayed to God regularly. That's a bad translation. The word is actually always. He prayed to God always. Last week we talked about one of the memory verses that you can memorize so fast. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 says, pray continuously. This guy didn't have the New Testament, but he was obeying one of the commandments that if you're going to know the will of God for your life, pray continuously. He had a holy habit of prayer and a holy habit of radical generosity. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. So now he's having a supernatural Holy Spirit encounter. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, And Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He literally calls the angel God. And he asked, and the angel answered, watch this, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. That word memorial is the word for a constant reminder. Your prayers, your, your continual, your always prayer, your holy habit of prayer, and your holy habit of sacrificial generosity to God's people or to anyone in need, to the house of God, to the people of God, anyone in need, those things have come up as a continual reminder before God. And then it says, now send men to Joppa, which is just down the coast. That's where Jonah actually sailed out of Joppa on the way to Nineveh. He said, now send men to Joppa and bring back a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. The next day at noon, this is verse nine now, about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. While the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. We see a very specific connection here. Peter also had a habit of prayer. He had a habit of fasting. He was hungry because he had not eaten yet that day. And he was, would have eaten except it wasn't time. The meal wasn't prepared yet. So his habit was, when I feel the hunger of fasting, I go up and I pray. That's one of the reasons Jesus taught some things don't get changed or they don't come out or you can't break the, break the yoke of the enemy without prayer and fasting. There's something about this season that we've been in that's a season of sacrifice, a season of pulling ourselves aside, our seasons of pushing away a plate or a cup or something like that and saying, I am not doing this because I want to feel the lack of that. So I remember to pray and I don't want to be distracted. There's something powerful that Jesus said and we're seeing that in his life. And it's also one of the things that Cornelius later in the story mentioned that he fasted all the time. Prayer and fasting are two things that go hand in hand if we want to see a next level of maturity in our own lives that triggers something in the heart of God. He fell into a trance, another Holy Spirit encounter. And he saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being led down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. And then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, oh, heck no. 
I am not, I am, I am pure, I am kosher, I, I am a Jew of Jews, I'm one of the apostles, I don't break the law, I got Jesus in my heart, but I don't break the law, I have never eaten anything like that. God said, kill and eat. He says, absolutely not. I would never put anything like that. I'm not going to do anything unclean in my body. And God then speaks to him and says, don't call anything unclean that I have made clean. And all of a sudden, Peter has a revelation of God's will that has already been declared in Scripture that the love of Jesus Christ and the gift of Jesus Christ was not only for the Jews, it was also for the Gentiles. And we see in the middle of this story a significant problem that existed inside of the culture of that day, and the problem was racism. Please don't think racism is an American thing. Racism is all through your Bible. It's all through Africa, it's all through the Middle East, it's all through Asia, it's everywhere, y'all. It's not an American creation. Yes. See, this thing, this problem, and potentially why the Jews have had such a rough go throughout the world for thousands of years is their own law, by obeying their own law, it calls them clean. They are the Jews, and they're clean if they obey these laws, and anyone that doesn't obey those laws is unclean. They're a Gentile. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile, and Gentile means unclean. How offensive is that? I'm clean. Ew. Right? Anyone else is ew. I'm clean. Right? That's offensive. And it has everything to do with their race and their practices and their culture. Now, there are Jews of all different colors, because they were scattered so much all over the world that they made friends all over the world. And there are Jews of all different colors. But inside of it, and especially in this day and age, there was a tremendous amount, and we're going to see that unfold in this story. So the men show up, and, and Peter actually follows and goes to their house. And when he gets to the house, he says his opening lines literally are this. Now, you know I'm a Jew, and it's against the law for me to come into your house because you're Gentiles, and the Lord has shown me that I'm not supposed to call anything unclean that he's made clean. He's literally, his opening line, if you think this is great for an audience, and the opening line is, hey, y'all, I'm really, really racist specifically against you, but guess what? God told me not to do that no more, so I'm going to actually not be racist starting today. Right? I mean, that, that's the opening line here. This is an incredible opportunity for offense, right? Because he's openly saying, I think you're unclean and God told me no. What could happen in our world? Watch this, watch this. The audience there, as they brought him into the house, Cornelius brings him in. He falls down at Peter's feet. Peter says, no, get up, get up. I'm just a man. Brings him to the interior of the house. The whole house is full of 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 his family. Cornelius is Italian. He's got a big family. He's not into matzo balls. He's into meatballs, right? He's got the mama mia going on. He's got all these people in the house. That's what's going on. And Peter is literally insulting them as the opening statement. I don't recommend you insult the mafia. 
right? This is a killer. Cornelius is a killer, but he loves Jesus, or not yet. He loves God. He's devout to God, and he's been told by an angel that Peter will come and share a message and bring your whole family. He brought all of them, and Peter opens up with his confession that he has dealt with and is still dealing with some bitterness and some racism and some bigotry in his own heart, and instead of getting offended, he says, but what do you want from me? And Cornelius speaks up and says, we want you to tell us everything about Jesus, what could happen in our world if we could choose to have a close knowledge of God more than we choose to be offended at people in our lives, especially when they're openly being offensive? People are offensive, y'all. I don't know if you've noticed. People are offensive at every single level. What could happen if we wanted to know God so much that we overlook people's offenses? Because we want more of God. It could change our nation. It could change our households. It could change our relatives. It could change a lot if we would just overlook the offense. So easy to get offended. So Peter preaches the message. He shares Jesus with them. Verse 44, while Peter is still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message, the circumcised believers who had come. These are the Jews, the circumcised Jews that had come with Peter um, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had poured out, been poured out even on the Gentiles, even on the unclean. Oh my God, the Holy Spirit is getting poured out on the unclean. They're still calling them unclean. And they're astonished that God would give the Holy Spirit to Italians, Romans. Watch this. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Oh, it's not one of those kind of churches, is it? Yeah. Every church should be. Because Jesus said, these signs will follow them that believe. The very first thing he said, they will speak in new tongues. That was Jesus. He said, signs will follow people that believe. And the very first one is they'll speak in tongues. Right? Oh my God, this is offensive. Who's going to leave today? Go ahead, I'll wait. Log off, go ahead. It's all through your Bible. Did you know that every single writer in the New Testament, every single book in the New Testament was written by someone that spoke in tongues? Bunch of weirdos, bunch of Holy Ghost weirdos writing the Bible. Eight years after Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is poured out on Gentiles for the first time. Eight years after Pentecost. He's still poured out today. You can still have the Holy Spirit gifts come into your life today. The power of the Holy Spirit come into your life. You can receive the gift of prophecy. You can receive the gift of healing. You can receive the gift of supernatural faith, the gift of miracles, the gift of tongues and interpretation. You can receive supernatural gifts. You don't have to live your life as an average person. You can live a supernatural life, but you got to be open to it. Got to be open to it. Big question today. Here's the first one. Does your level of dedication demand God's attention? Cornelius's dedication, his maturity as a believer in a God he didn't even fully know, 
demanded the attention of God, demanded an audience with God. I'm not saying you're demanding an audience. I'm saying the way you live your life, your personal daily disciplines, your holy habits, are they getting God's attention? Does your dedication to prayer, does it trigger God's attention? Does your dedication to give to God's kingdom and God's house and God's people, does it get God's attention? Let me ask you this. Does it even get your attention? Does your, does your level of dedication in prayer, does it impress you? Does your level of generosity, does it even impress you? Or is it just, eh, here's a little, oh, here's a little prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. Father, bless the food. Amen. Come on, guys. I'm talking about, listen, I'm not talking about whether you're going to heaven or not. I'm talking about whether you grow up into a mature believer that God can say, that's my friend. And I'm going to show everything to you. I'm going to share everything with you. I'm going to teach everything to you because that's my friend. I want to have a conversation with that guy. I want to have a conversation with that lady. And it's not about favoritism. It's about friendship. And friendship is dependent on obedience. Is this too hard? I'm smiling still. I want to tell you a story. The story starts, I'm going to show you some text messages. Please forgive um, the um, misspellings. Anybody else have problems with Siri? She's, she's, a, she's a mean, mean lady. She is. Um, she misspells things all the time. December 4th, I got a text message from a buddy of mine named Eric. Goes to the church. He says, I'm going to start reading more of my Bible, but I, I feel lost on where to start. Any suggestions? In my phone, it doesn't say Pastor Joel. It went in my phone to myself. They made these slides, okay? It doesn't say that. I think it says bonehead. That's typically what I call myself. I respond, gospel of John, and then John 1, 2, and 3. One goal, hearing the voice and knowing the person and mind of Jesus. When you read, never read just to check a box. Always read to connect to God's heart and get full. Read until you feel full. Read until your creativity engages and you start getting curious. Ask God questions while you read. Why this? Why that? What does this really mean? Uh, look, I misspelled wrote. Uh, uh, write. Write those questions down in your prayer journal along with the answers you feel God giving you. Use those questions to Google search and find valid biblical sources of explanation. Eric responds, thanks so much. This is what I needed uh, direction with. I have always read just to read with no direction. I have always felt a calling to dig deeper, to know him more. I have always felt that I was made for far more than getting up, going to work, rinse and repeat. I just have never been able to pin what that meaning is or what that calling is. I said, so glad I can help. I'm thinking about mixing this kind of stuff into a series in January to help everybody learn how to do some of these disciplines. Yeah, he says, I get lost sometimes when I'm trying to dive in or I think more like just overwhelmed. Four days later on December 8th, I text him, so how's it going? I have a really cool Bible study and supposed to say prayer journal, but Siri deceived me again and wrote the wrong word. Prayer journal concept I can share with you too. He says, it's going good. I've never really journaled, so that's new one for me. That's a new one for me, but I'm diving in. Please do share. And we jumped on the phone and we talked again and had a conversation. I walked with him through how I use my prayer journal. 
And then another uh, 10 days later, I texted him again on the 18th. I said, how's your Bible reading going? God drawing your attention to any cool stuff? And he responds, oh yeah, it's going good. I've been going strong now since mid-December. So this, this was uh, now uh, in the, the mid part of, of, of January. Since mid-December, 5 a.m. reading and journaling, I don't miss now I don't miss now, it what's, it's what starts my day. We left for Austin yesterday at 5 a.m. for volleyball, so I got up at 3.30 to read and journal. Went down this morning to the lobby with Heather and Grace while they're sleeping to get my read and journal done. Can't start the day without it now. God speaks to me every morning. I feel it's just one word to focus on, or he tells me to stop and sit in his presence, and, like be still and know, and I feel he just ministers to me. Okay, this is what I responded. Wow, I freaking love it. That's what I wrote. I'm going to preach on journaling and hearing God as a holy habit next week. Can I use this illustration anonymously? I think it could really help the people know that someone else in the congregation just a couple months ago was looking to learn how to connect to God and hear his voice after being a believer for decades. This is such an amazing and awesome testimony. I'm so happy for you, bro, for real. That testimony bid wrecking me. I don't know what she did there. God is so good. And he says, you can absolutely share. I can tell you, I cannot start my day without him now. He aligns me for the day and puts things in perspective for me. Just like this morning, we're in Austin on the volleyball scene and there are some interesting people and we all judge in some form or fashion. But he spoke to me and said, Eric, these are all my people to not judge based on anything, but love them all. I said, this blesses my heart so much, bro. You have no idea. My greatest purpose in life is to help connect like this. You got me all teary-eyed. He says, I feel like God has good plans for me. Actually, he told me he does, but all in his time. Guys, that's a transformation that happened in five weeks from someone that, that literally in the beginning of December would have told you, I don't know how to hear God. I try to read my Bible. I don't get anything out of it. I, someone that would have said, I, I, I don't hear God like you, Joel. God doesn't talk to me like you, Joel. I don't, I don't get stuff out of the Bible like you, Joel. Five, six weeks later, he's literally every single day, he says, 3.30 in the morning, God speaks to me every single day. He's talking to me. He's communicating with me. I'm telling you, y'all, anyone that wants it can have it. If you want to have a conversational relationship with God, you can have it. The only thing that it takes is your personal discipline. It takes your personal discipline. Don't say, well, that's not how it works for me. Not yet. It didn't work for me like that before either. But now I've got a stack. This is two years of my conversations with God. That's two years. I've been doing this for 22 years now. And I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying this is my lifeline. To have a conversational relationship with God. I didn't know how to do it until I was 30. I'm a professional uh, uh, pastor, youth pastor, and didn't know, how to do, didn't know how to do it. Didn't know how to have it. But built a relationship with God based on my own personal disciplines, my own personal hunger. And the more mature that I got spiritually, the more he would share with me. I have at different times been stuck in my relationship because I wasn't ready to obey something yet. And finally, God's like, okay, now you're ready. Here I am at 50 years old, and God's like, okay, now. Okay, now I can show you. Can I tell you that this is, we're about to turn five as a church. In the first four years, there's been certain things that I've been stuck. 
I've had some hurt. I've had some anger. I've had some things I was upset about. I had some things I felt mistreated by. And, and all of a sudden now, God's doing this work in my heart. And he's saying to me, now, now I can show you. Now you're, come on, guys. What's he going to say at 55? What's he going to say at 60? You can go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. It doesn't have to be a shallow relationship. It's only shallow if it's shallow on our end. Anyone can learn the discipline of conversational prayer. In my journal this week, I asked God that question because I know that's a big question. Can anyone, God, can anyone learn how to have conversations with you? And he instantly responded to me, absolutely yes. He goes, this is the original design in the Garden of Eden. This is what I've always wanted for my people. And I want to have conversations with my people more than they want to have conversations with me. I'm just waiting on them. I'm just waiting on them. Well, Joel, I don't know where to start. Let me give you three habits that I do. Number one, be still and know. Be st- just sit before him and be still before him and shut everything out and just seek to know him. Just seek to know him. When you pray, just talk normal. Quit, th- quit this religious, baloney, fancy prayer, all kinds of, dear God in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I come before you beseeching thee as your humble servant. Can you please, for crying out loud, just talk to him. He's your dad. Just talk to him. Stop the pretense. Stop the religious junk. Just talk to him. It doesn't have to be a, thus saith the Lord. It doesn't have to be that. In fact, it's obnoxious. Irritates people. Just talk normal. Just talk. Just talk. My prayer journal, it's like every single, every single entry, every single one, every single one. Father, comma, I love you so much. Every one. That's my entry. Every time. I enter with love. And then I begin to tell him, I'm so grateful for this. I'm so thankful for that. I'm just writing a love letter, guys. That's all it is. I learned this 30 years ago, or 20, 22 years ago. I'm writing a love letter. I'm writing a love letter. I love you so much. I'm so thankful for this. I'm so thankful for that. I, I, I need some help here. I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm failing in my marriage. I'm failing with my kids. I'm failing with my father. I'm failing with Father, help me with this. I need to hear your voice. I don't know what to do on this. Should I stay in my house? Should I sell my house? Should I this? Should I go to this? Should I take this class? Should I sign up for that? God, I just need your wisdom. I need your knowledge. And then I be still and know. And I wait for him to inspire me. And then I write down, and it started with one word, then, a, then another word, then a phrase, and then it grew into a paragraph. And now I'm telling you guys, there are times where I'll be dead asleep, and I'll wake up dead asleep, and God will say, get up, I want to talk to you. I'll hear it on the inside of my heart, and I'll go grab my journal, I'll sit in my study, and I'll start writing, and God will talk and talk, and I'm writing page after page after page after page, and he's starting the conversation. It's not how it started, but it's what it's become. And I'm telling you, I used to feel like God doesn't talk to me like that. And then I learned the discipline. And my buddy Eric, who sat in this service this morning and got baptized with his family, sat six weeks ago saying the exact same thing. He doesn't talk to me like that. I don't understand when I read the Bible. And just a few weeks later, he's having divine encounters with God. You can change your whole life if you're willing to make some change. It all comes back down to how bad you want it. And the number one thing you've got to do is make yourself do something different. Make yourself do something different. 
I know I'm feeling kind of strong and aggressive here, but listen, the greatest joy of my life is seeing people go from where they're, they're believing God and they're a good person, they love Jesus, and all of a sudden the light bulb comes on, and all of a sudden they're having encounters with the living God, and they're experiencing the living God, and I can tell you with all of my heart, you can encounter God anytime you're willing to create the atmosphere, create the place, create the habitation, be still and know, and give him a place in your life. We often don't hear him because we're too dang busy running past him in life, jumping over him in life. He's trying to get our attention, and we're too busy, we're too self-centered, and we've got ought in our heart against one of his own kids, and we're creating a barrier with our unforgiveness and with our own internal sin. And if we'll purify our hearts, and if we'll purify our lives, and if we'll step aside from some of the mess and create that still place with him, I promise he'll meet you there. I promise he'll meet you there. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, would you rest on your people today? Would you fall on your people today? Holy Spirit, fill your people. Fill your people. Fill your people. That's the third habit, guys. I pray in the Holy Spirit all the time. I pray in my heavenly prayer language all the time. I ask God to fill me with his Holy Spirit. I asked him to give me the gifts of the Spirit, and he answered. And I've learned how to have a supernatural prayer language, and I do it all the time. Three habits. Be still and know. Sitting before him quietly. Praying in my holy prayer language. And also writing out, documenting, journaling. In the name of Jesus, Father, I ask you to release your spirit of Holy Spirit conviction upon your people. Draw them into your presence. Give them a hunger for more, for more, for more, for more. In the name of Jesus, no excuses, no excuses. If you want it, if you want it, it's available. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's just, let's just flow into that for just a second.